What we do every summer is we take some movies from Hollywood and we look at them and we try to figure out if what they, uh, if the message that they're portraying is accurate or not, if it's something that we should uh, base our lives on. And, and I have a caution for you. As we start this whole series, one of the things that you've got to be very careful of is attempting to um, live your life based on um, popular standards. Because let me just ask you this. Does popular opinion ever change? Left to itself, do humans and popular opinion tend to gravitate naturally towards morality, integrity, honesty, truth and justice for all, or do human beings left to themselves, do their morals tend to drift toward the toilet? I vote toilet. So we've got to be really careful about basing our lives on something that's in the toilet. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some movies. We're going to figure out where the toilet is and where God's word is and where we should be living our lives. Now, in uh, this first clip, you're going to figure out why or you're going to get a clue to why human beings left to themselves, their morals drift towards the toilet. Watch this. Today, we're going to share what it is and where we should be living our lives. Now, in uh, this first clip, you're going to figure out why, or you're, you're going to get a clue to why human beings left to them. The teacher. And your dad. My dad, he's a liar. A liar? Oh, I, I'm sure you don't mean a liar. Well... Where's the suit and goes to court and talks to the judge? Oh, I see. You mean he's a lawyer. He's a truck driver. My mom's a teacher. And your dad? My dad? He's a liar. A liar? Oh, I, I'm sure you don't mean a liar. Where's the suit and goes to court and talks to the judge? Oh, I see. You mean he's a lawyer. And your dad? My dad? He's a liar. A liar? Oh, I, I'm sure you don't mean a liar. Well, he wears a suit and goes to court and talks to the judge. Oh, I see. You mean he's a lawyer. The doctor. My dad is a truck driver. My mom's a teacher. And your dad? My dad? He's a liar. A liar? Oh, I, I'm sure you don't mean a liar. Well, he wears a suit and goes to court and talks to the judge. He's a lawyer. Teacher. And your dad. My dad. He's a liar. A liar? Oh, I, I'm sure you don't mean a liar. Well, he wears a suit and goes to court and talks to the judge. Oh, I see. 
You mean he's a lawyer? Nine and bust a cat. With my mind and my money and my money and my mind. <laughs> well, they would never hurt you, Fletcher. You're their lawyer. Oh, that was below the belt. Try to keep the gloves up. Mom, Dad's taking me to see wrestling. Fletcher. Okay, I'm late. I'm sorry. I ran out of gas. The gauge is broken or something. Rough neighborhood, too. It's a good thing I was wearing neutral gang colors. Might have had to pull out my nine and bust a cat. With my mind on my money and my money on my mind. <laughs> well, they would never hurt you, Fletcher. You're their lawyer. Oh, that was below the belt. Try to keep the gloves up. Mom, Dad's taking me to see wrestling. Nine and bust a cat. With my mind on my money and my money on my mind. <laughs> well, they would never hurt you, Fletcher. You're their lawyer. Oh, that was below the belt. Try to keep the gloves up. Mom, Dad's taking me to see wrestling. <sighs> Fletcher. <sighs> Audrey. Well, why do you have to take him to see that stuff? It's very violent. The boy must grow to be a warrior. <sighs> Who better to guide him than Rick Rude and Randy Macho Man Savage in the case of death? <laughs> now, Max, need a little light. There we go. That's all right. I'll try to talk in the dark. Max is simply telling the truth. He's doing what children do. Very start. He couldn't stand the truth because there wasn't a shred of truth in him. You get mad and try to kill me, let me explain something uh, from the Bible. Let's see what the Bible has to say about this. John 8, Jesus is speaking to a group of religious leaders, and he says this, You're from your father, the devil, and all you want to do is please him. He was a killer from the very start. He couldn't stand the truth because there wasn't a shred of truth that about God. They would go back to their ancestry, and they would say, we're God's chosen people. In fact, we're children of Abraham. Now, you've got to understand, Abraham comes on the scene way back in the book of Genesis. When he starts in the book, uh, when he's first in this group of people that Jesus was talking to, religious leaders who wanted to kill him. And he looks, he looks at them and he says, I'm on to you. You're not following God. Now, the religious leaders, what they would do anytime someone would say, you're not following God, they would go back to their ancestry. And they would say, we're God's chosen people. In fact, we're children of Abraham. Now, you've got to understand, Abraham comes on the scene way back in the book of Genesis. When he starts the devil, he makes it up out of his lying nature and fills the world with lies. Now, you have to understand this group of people that Jesus was talking to, religious leaders who wanted to kill him. And he looks, he looks at them and he says, I'm on to you. You're not following God. Now... The religious leaders, what they would do anytime someone would say, you're not following God, they would go back to their... He makes it up out of his lying nature and fills the world with lies. Now, you have to understand this group of people that Jesus was talking to, religious leaders who wanted to kill him. And he looks, he looks at them and he says, I'm on to you. You're not following God. Now, the religious leaders, what they would do anytime someone would say, you're not following God, they would... He looks at them and he says, I'm on to you. You're not following God. Now, the religious leaders, what they would do anytime someone would say, you're not following God, they would faith like Abraham did. He said, you got to do the things Abraham did. So Jesus asked this most important question. Who's your descendant of Abraham? He makes this very, very um, uh, intentional distinction between those two. And so when they're, when they're, Challenged by Jesus, they say, we're from Abraham. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I think you're from your daddy. Dad is 
the devil, who is a liar from the beginning, and you share his nature. And Jesus says there's, there's a clue to who your daddy is, and that's your actions. Your actions reveal who you're related to. And he says, if Abraham's your spiritual father, do the things Abraham did. But since you're not doing those things, Jesus said, I've got to come to the conclusion that your daddy is the devil. His name is Satan. So I want to ask you today, who's your daddy? If people were to follow you this past week, would there be any attitudes, actions, words that indicated that you have a spiritual nature that comes from God? Or would there be overwhelming evidence that your daddy is the devil? That's the question we've got to ask ourselves over and over. And so Jesus identifies the father of lies as the devil. And what we're going to do next is we're going to watch a clip and we're going to see one of the biggest lies that the daddy devil tells in this world. Watch this. Fred, it's your duty to present the strongest case possible. The strongest case possible, consistent with the truth. Will you let the judge decide what's true? That's what he gets paid for. You get paid to win. If you insist that I take it to trial, I will represent Mrs. Cole aggressively and ethically. But Miranda, I won't lie. Then we'll just have to find someone who will. 21st floor, menswear. <laughs> Hi, Mr. Reed. Whoa, hey. Did you do something to your hair? <laughs> it's a bit extreme, isn't it? Oh, I mean, that's that's a thing nowadays, right? Well, he said it would accent my facial features. Well, that's what it does. It completely accents your facial features. <gasps> We're just going to go down to my office now. <clears throat> Hey, Fletcher. Hey, Pete. You losing a little weight? I don't know. Maybe. Looks and personality. Double threat guy. Hey, Mr. Reeve. Hey, man. It's uh, Randy. Yeah, I know. Taking lunch Uh, orders, Mr. Reeve. Anything? No, thanks. I had so much for breakfast, I'm just about ready to pop. I mean, I'm full. Okay. I'm sure that your daddy has got you something wonderful. Yeah? Yeah, you bet! <laughs> Listen, kiddo, why don't you go play in my office for a minute? Sue somebody for everything they got. Maybe you can send a fax to one of your girlfriends. Hey, sorry. I completely forgot. Oh, what a surprise. You are a saint. I should buy you a gift. You did. I always do the classy thing. Any calls? Judge Rawlings, clerk, you need your filing. Tell him it's in the mail. Right, she'll do it next week. Mr. McKinley phone to confirm your meeting tomorrow. Strep throat. No, some kind of virus. What's going around? Asian flu. Good one. And your mother called. I'm on vacation. It's your fifth week. Snowed in. Phones are down. Break mother's heart. Done. Now, um, the ethical man says, I'm not going to lie to win a case. And what does his boss say? We'll just find somebody who will. Unethical men, liars, are a dime a dozen. Honest men with integrity are what this world is very, very short on. 
And, and somebody's going to say, uh, well, well, people change. Words change. The meaning of words change. You just don't understand. No one can make it in today's society without telling a few lies. If you're honest, you know, they say good guys finish last. Well, I'll admit this. I'll admit this. Life can be very confusing. Circumstances can be very confusing. But when I'm confused, I need an anchor. I need something solid that I can come back to. And what I try to do is I try to find what's in the Word of God because it doesn't change. I want to show you what it says in Psalm 119, 160. There is nothing but truth in your Word, and all of your righteous regulations endure forever. Nothing but what in God's Word? Truth. So the anchor for me, and I hope for you, is the Word of God. And one of the things I pray for my kids all the time, Janie and I, we, we swap every night praying. When we lay down to bed, the last thing that we do is we pray together. And it's always, is it your turn? Is it your turn? And we pray together. One of us prays every night. And we pray for our kids all the time. One of the things that I pray over and over is that my kids will love the church, not just this church, I'm talking about the bride of Christ, and that my kids will base their lives on the Word of God. I can't always be there. I'm temporary. God is forever. And so I want my kids to know who God is. And I want you to see that, that this idea of truth, I want you to see what Jesus says about truth in John 14, 6. Jesus answered him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus says, truth is not a concept that you kind of study or you search the world and eventually you stumble upon truth. Jesus says, truth is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus lasts forever and I want my kids to know him. I want my kids to know his word. That's because your words actually reveal your father. Just realized I skipped over that on your listening guide, didn't I? That's why James is looking confused back there. Number one, lie number one is words don't matter. Good thing you can click back and forth, right, Jamie? So, if you're not in tune with the Word of God, then you're not going to know God's will for your life. So the most important question is, who's your daddy? The most important words on the planet are contained in the pages of this book. There's a second lie that, this, that uh, the liar wants you to follow in your life, and it's, the clue is in this next clip in the movie. going to see you tomorrow, okay? He's going to pick you up from school, all right? So come on, make a wish.
only one day Dad couldn't tell a lie. it were that easy. Just make a birthday wish and someone had to tell the truth. Doesn't work like that, does it? But what this really does is it points out one of Satan's lies. In the movie, Max's dad is is never around. He's always telling him he's going to be there. He's never around. And um, in real life, what Satan is will do is he'll give you this um, this lie. You can't trust your heavenly father. When bad stuff happens, what Satan wants to do is he wants to question the character of God. And what the Bible tells us is about God's character. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Now, show of hands, how many of you have ever felt like God has failed you? I'm not saying God has, but how many of you felt like he's failed you? Or maybe he's abandoned you. Anybody ever felt that way? Join the club. You're in good company. Do you know Jesus Christ even felt that way? When he was dying on the cross, right before he breathed his last, he looks up to the heavens and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Did God really forsake him? For a split second, God turned his eyes from Jesus Christ, his only son, As the sins of the world were piled on Jesus, God looked away. And do you know why He looked away? He was piling the price of sin on Jesus so that you and I, guilty sinners, could go free if we come through Jesus' truth. And and God looked away from Jesus at that moment so that He could say to you, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of what my Son did, This is my proof to you for all eternity. Here's truth. Truth is I love you so much that Jesus stretched out his hands and said, I die for you. This is how much I love you. And God says, I will never leave you, never forsake you. And what he did 2,000 years ago is this exclamation point on this promise of God that he will never abandon us. He even gave his son. Jesus would rather die for you than live without you. And Satan has been questioning God's character ever since... The beginning, since the first man and woman lived on the planet, Adam and Eve. Satan slithers up in the form of a serpent to Eve and he says, Hey, how about that fruit right there? And and Eve says, Oh no, we can't eat from that tree. God says, Don't eat it or touch it or we'll die. God didn't say not to touch it. He said, Don't eat it. And so Satan questions God's character and he goes, No, no, no. God knows that if you eat that fruit, the only reason he doesn't want you to eat that fruit is because he knows you'll become like him. You can be like God. You can call the shots. You can have all of this knowledge in the world if you'll only eat the fruit. And what does Eve do? She eats the fruit. Now, Satan sometimes slithers up to you and doesn't ask you to eat some fruit. Satan says to you, whispers in your ear, if God really cares about you or if God is a God of love, how come he allowed blank to happen? You fill in the blank. How come God allowed cancer to happen? How come God allowed the flood that happened in Arkansas? If God's a God of love, how come 
Jet planes fall out of the sky. How come there's wars? How come there's robbery? If God is... This is what Satan does. He whispers, if God really cares, he could have done something about this. And so he's been questioning God's character. And here's the thing. If you hang around people who question God's character on a regular basis, you know what's going to happen to you after a short time? You become like the people that you hang out with. If the people that you regularly associate with are bitter, angry, resentful people and they don't like God, it won't be long before you start to say, wow, their, their arguments make sense. Maybe God isn't a God of love. Maybe, and you begin to question God's character and then Satan has got you hooked and he begins to pull you away from God. The more time you spend with the father of lies and his children the more you'll begin to resemble the father of lies. But thank God, the opposite is also true. The Bible promises that the more you spend with truth, Jesus Christ, the more time you spend with truth, the more you begin to look like him, the more time you spend with people who follow Jesus Christ and love him and know he is the truth and base their lives on his truth, the more you'll begin to look like truth. You'll bear the family resemblance of truth. And so here's, here's the truth for you. A lie is you can't trust your heavenly father. Here's the truth from God's word, James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the father who created all the lights in the heavens. He is always the same and never makes dark shadows by changing. Here's the idea of shadows. Satan is a shape shifter. Whatever he thinks you want to hear in life, he will become that shape. He'll whisper those things. He'll bring those people into your lives to try to steer you away from God. God is the truth and never changes. He can't tell a lie. He can't fail us. He can't abandon us. He's a God you can trust. The father of lies says words don't matter and you can't trust your heavenly father. There's one more lie that's in this movie. See if you can pick it up from this clip. Well, I can't remember when I've had more fun, but if you'll excuse me, I have a class. Are you marrying this guy because you're mad at me? No, I divorced you because I was mad at you. Audrey, wait, I want to talk about this. Well, what do you want to say? Is this guy right for you? I mean, he's just so... Not me! Yes, that's one of his best qualities. Yeah, but he's kind of... I'm sorry. You're wrong. I mean, sometimes, maybe, yes, he is a little bit... Magoo! Yes, but since we've been going out... oh. I'm not having this conversation with you. Audrey, you can't go. This is not fair. Fair? Oh, okay. Let's define fair, shall we? Last night, a five-year-old boy was crushed because his father lied to him about coming to his birthday party. Fair? Last night. It was none of my business. None of my business. Two years ago, it was my business. But see, I don't have to care about that anymore. I don't care. That's the magic of divorce. But it matters to Max. Everything you do matters to Max, and everything you don't do. All right, now let me tell you something. I'm a bad father. I mean... I'm a bad father. You're not a bad father. When you show up. What if I come over right after court, let's out and play ball with Max? Then you and I can sit down no. and talk before you make no, any no, rash no. decisions. No, we are leaving tonight. Please, Audrey, give me one more chance. I'm throwing myself on the mercy of the court. I lost you. But please, don't make me lose Max, too. 
Give me a chance to be the father I started out to be. You're really coming? This is ironclad. This is the mother of all promises. What time? Six. Ten to six. All right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. But if I tell Max that you're coming and you don't show up, and I have to see that look on his face, that heartbreaking look, we're going to Boston. If I don't show up, I'll pack you myself. I will lovingly wrap your knickknacks with bubble paper. I hope so. Do you know what your son was doing at 8.15 last night? He was making a birthday wish that for just one day, his father couldn't tell a lie. Did you catch the lie? The lie is, life is supposed to be fair. One of the biggest complaints I hear over and over, God could have saved my mom if he'd wanted to. God could have spared this person if he'd wanted to. God can't be a God of love if he doesn't intervene when he can. Well, the truth is, a lot of times our decisions are what put us in bad places, right? I'm not blaming everything on our poor choices, but probably the majority of pain and suffering I've had in my life have come from my bad choices. And I can blame God, but all I'm doing is avoiding the truth. Now, life isn't fair. That's what I try to tell my kids. I try to make it fair, but you want to go crazy? Try to be absolutely fair with everybody in your family. Sometimes life just is not fair. From the moment sin entered into the world, fairness went out the window. And if you want to talk about fair, what about Jesus Christ? Was it fair that Jesus died on the cross? Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Christ never sinned. But God treated him as a sinner, or you could say God abandoned him for a split second while the sins of the world were piled on him. Why? So that Christ could make us acceptable to God. Was it fair that the only person never to sin suffered the weight of the sin of every person on the planet? He was nailed to a Roman cross, the most painful form of torturous death known to man. Was that fair? Fair would be me paying for my sins in a place called hell. Fair would be you paying for your sins in a place called hell. You don't really want fair. Life isn't fair and never will be until Jesus returns and sets everything straight and makes things fair again. But see, I think this desire for fairness was placed inside us by God. We have this longing to see justice for all. We want to see mercy when we're the ones speeding we want justice for everyone else that cuts us off or is speeding or is tailgating. Last night someone was tailgating. I was asking for justice for them. And the Bible says that even creation, this is, this is kind of crazy to me, even creation knows that life is not fair. Look what it says in Romans eight nineteen through 21. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, that means creation, all creation was subjected to God's curse. What that means is God created a perfect world, a perfect solar system, a perfect everything. But when sin entered into the world through the choice of the first human beings, 
Then all fairness went out. And, and the world, creation, began to suffer the weight of that sin. And nothing was ever fair again. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. There will be a day, according to the Bible, that everything will be made right again. Everything will be fair. But that day is not today. It will not always be like this. Sin and destruction, illness, they're running rampant today. Lying is running rampant today. But there will be a day when everything will be fair again. So... The most important question is, who's your daddy? Is it God the Father or is it Satan, the father of lies? His lies are, words don't matter. You can't trust your heavenly father. And life is supposed to be fair. Those are the lies. Okay, so how in this confusing world, how do you know what God wants you to do? Back when in my youth ministry days, when I would go to other churches and I would do disciple nows and, and speak to kids, I would ask the question, how many of you would like to know God's will for your life? Everybody, yes, me, I want to know God's will for my life. Well, here's what I want to show you just very quickly, is how you can figure out what God wants from you on a day-to-day basis. Number one. God's will is in God's Word. By the way, we're going to spend 13 weeks in our small groups this fall, starting in September. We're going to spend 13 weeks on trying to figure out how to hear God's voice very clearly, how to know it's God speaking, how to know what God wants you to do, and how to obey that voice. If you're interested, we're going to be doing that on Sunday nights, starting in the fall, right here in this room. 95% of all God wants you to do in life is contained in His Word. Let me give you just a real quick rundown on on some things that God has already told us to do. These are going to be up on the screen for you. First of all, He said, obey your parents. Marry a Christian. Work at an occupation. God does not want us to be a welfare state. He says we should work. The Bible says if you won't work, you shouldn't eat. Support your family. Give to the Lord's work and to the poor. Raise your children by God's standards. Meditate in the scriptures. Pray. Have a joyful attitude. Gather regularly for worship. Tell others about Christ. Be thankful. Love each other. Don't play favorites with people. That's just a sampling of what's in here. God's commands are in the Bible. And the better you know God's commands, the better you're going to know God's will. God's commands are like these signposts pointing the way. When you don't know the way to a city and you're driving through a gas stop yesterday at the gas station, he was over here at uh, Kim's Deli, Boxcar Deli. I was getting gas and he said, hey man, which way to Buffalo? I said, dude, right there, go all the way through. When you get through town, you'll see a sign that points you to Buffalo. And this, this relief came over his face. I'm like, dude, you're lost in Palestine. That's hard to do. It's right there. I said, get on this. First, I said, go around the loop. I said, never mind. Go straight through town. This is the road. And when you get to that sign point, it'll say, go this way. God's word says, go this way. There are signs here. But if you don't know God's word, you can't possibly know God's will. I'm amazed when I'm studying God's word. And when I say studying, sometimes I'll read two or three verses. And then I have my little prayer notebook and and I write things in my prayer notebook. I have my memory verses that I'm going over. Sometimes I'll just close the Bible after I've read a few verses. I'll be sitting there, not praying, just sitting there. And all of a sudden I hear this voice and I know it's God. 
God has told me relationships that I need to make right. God has told me what I'm supposed to preach. There are times I'm just sitting there and I have to pick up my notebook and start writing because God's impressing on my mind some things after I've spent time with Him. If you're not willing to slow down and listen, why would God waste His time telling you what you need to do? God doesn't talk to hear Himself speak. God speaks so that you can know what He wants you to do and you can adjust your life to Him and you can obey. That's the way it works when you're God. It's the way I want it to work with my children. I want it to be a small representation, a very poor representation of God and His followers. I speak, you do. That's the way it is when you're God. Second thing is listen to God's Spirit. The Bible says that if you're a follower of Christ, God's Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is planted inside of you. And the Bible says you have the opportunity to know the mind of Christ, to have the mind of Christ. But if you don't know God's Word, you're not going to hear and understand God's voice speaking through God's Spirit because God's Spirit knows the Bible. The Bible even says that men prompted by the Spirit of God, wrote the Word of God. So don't ever tell me God told you to do something that's contrary to the Bible. God does not do that. He knows the Word. He knows the book. People all the time say, well, God said do this. Um, right here, God says, don't do that. He told you something. I think you're wrong. You're hearing the wrong voice. That's right. So you got to know God's Word to be able to discern God's Spirit. He will speak to you. Number three, listen to mature Christians. Notice I said mature Christians. Don't get advice from imbeciles. Well, my friends down at the bar said, oh, there's nothing wrong with the bar, nothing wrong with alcohol. But if you're inebriated, I don't want your directions. Make sense? Many times God speaks through other individuals. God gave me my parents not by accident. God gave you your parents not by accident on purpose. Now, were your parents perfect? No. But God knew what He was doing. He didn't go, oops. I meant to put Caleb over there. Sorry, Caleb. Mature Christians. Don't get advice from imbeciles. Well, my friends down at the bar said, oh, there's nothing wrong with the bar, nothing wrong with alcohol. But if you're inebriated, I don't want your directions. Make sense? Many times God speaks to speak to you. Number three, listen to mature Christians. Notice I said mature Christians, don't get advice from imbeciles. Well, my friends down at the bar said, oh, there's nothing wrong with the bar, nothing wrong with alcohol. But if you're inebriated, I don't want your directions. Make sense? You're hearing the wrong voice, that's right. So you've got to know God's Word to be able to discern God's Spirit. He will speak to you. Number three, listen to mature Christians. 
Notice I said mature Christians. Don't get advice from imbeciles. Well, my friends down at the bar said, there's nothing wrong with the bar, nothing wrong with alcohol. But if you're inebriated, I don't want your direction. I think you're wrong. You're hearing the wrong voice. That's right. So you got to know God's word to be able to discern God's spirit. He will speak to you. Number three, listen to mature Christians. Notice I said mature Christians. Don't get advice from imbeciles. Well, my friends down at the bar said, there's nothing wrong with the bar, nothing wrong with alcohol. But if you're inebriated, I don't want your directions. You're wrong. You're hearing the wrong voice. That's right. So you got to know God's word to be able to discern God's spirit. He will speak to you. Number three, listen to mature Christians. Notice I said mature Christians. Don't get advice from imbeciles. Well, my friends down at the bar said, there's nothing wrong with the bar, nothing wrong with alcohol. But if you're inebriated, I don't want your directions. I think you're wrong. You're hearing the wrong voice. That's right. So you got to know God's word to be able to discern God's spirit. He will speak to you. Number three, listen to mature Christians. Notice I said mature Christians. Don't get advice from imbeciles. Well, my friends down at the bar said, there's nothing wrong with the bar, nothing wrong with alcohol. But if you're inebriated, do that. He knows the word. He knows the book. People all the time say, well, God said do this. Um, Right here, God says, don't do that. He told you something. I think you're wrong. You're hearing the wrong voice. That's right. So you got to know God's word to be able to discern God's spirit. He will speak. God told you to do something that's contrary to the Bible. God does not do that. He knows the word. He knows the book. People all the time say, well, God said do this. Um, right here, God says, don't do that. He told you something. I think you're wrong. You're hearing the wrong voice. That's right. So you got to know God. Tell me. God told you to do something that's contrary to the Bible. God does not do that. He knows the word. He knows the book. People all the time say, well, God said do this. Um, right here, God says, don't do that. He told you something. I think you're wrong. You're hearing the wrong voice. That's right. So you got to know God's word to be able to discern the word of God. So don't ever tell me God told you to do something that's contrary to the Bible. God does not do that. He knows the word. He knows the book. People all the time say, well, God said do this. Um, right here, God says, don't do that. He told you something. I think you're wrong. But I want it now. Go ahead and do it and you'll make mistakes. And peace is not what you'll have. Let's pray together and be dismissed. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word.
And God shows some people today whether their father is Satan, the father of lies, or whether they actually know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.